Listen carefully and you'll hear it. You'll have to be very focused and completely relaxed. Empty your mind of panic and worry. If you've taken your tinctures, this will be easier. Tune out the usual chatter and clatter around you, the gurgle of your saltwater aquarium, the bloop of a textual message, the gentle hum of your essential oils diffuser. Hear past the wind as it starts to shake loose the leaves from trees on autumn's approach. It may come to you suddenly, like the incessant buzz from a fluorescent tube flickering above the microfiche machine in a public library. And when you latch onto it, you'll know it. Its frequency is one that vibrates through the bedrock of existence, pulsing like the transfer of energies along the mycorrhizal networks that link plant and fungus, radiating outward in a divine spiral throughout the galaxy. What you've tuned into, friend, that little cosmic blip? It's me. It's this show right now. Welcome to the 13th season of Deep Night with Dale. Now, to begin our new season and this first episode, let me give you a bit of a primer on what to expect this season. As you may have heard, things are not great. For me personally, I've been indoors for six months because I'm a Libra and I like rules. I've grown my hair into a significant male pony, and my turtlenecks have started to fray at the seams. Doom scrolling is now my only source of news, and according to all the tweeted headlines I've read, New York City, as we used to know it, is done for. In its place exists only a barren wasteland full of faded I'm-with-her-bumper stickers and anarchists practicing throwing their soup cans against burned-out cop cars. Too frightened to venture out, most of our days here in Brooklyn have been spent watching the slow decline of our once great city from a tear in the papered-over windows of our one-bedroom apartment along the Gowanus Canal. Early on, around week five or six of the pandemic, we started to see a fleet of moving vans line our narrow streets, and our building quickly emptied out. People fled to New Jersey or upstate or back into a suburban basement to sleep alongside a dusty Nordic track or tabletop air hockey game they thought they'd never see again. Having no family that would take us in and lacking funds, we stayed put. And it has not been easy on any of us. The end of the world has taken its toll on us mentally and physically. My wife, Galinda, spent most of the past six months wrapped up in a pile of her gravity scarves. The loneliness started to get to us here, so in the absence of any landlords who have also fled the city, we started just opening up the other units in our building to creative people we meet in chat rooms and wellness Zoom calls, just to have someone else besides ourselves to talk to. It didn't take long to realize that between all the late-night convos on the roof, piles of dirty dishes, and loaves of dense bread, we've birthed the commune. And as we move through this season, you may hear some of the new members of our communal living situation. Each has a role to play in the health of our uh, little society. Alexi, the concert pianist upstairs, who delights us when he tickles the keys at all in unexpected hours. Or Dorcas, who angrily sings Avril Lavigne songs to herself as she tends to the gardens, the gardens being a tangle of scavenged houseplants she's packed into the fourth-floor apartment. The humidity up there has caused the hallway paint to warp and buckle in such lovely and unusual patterns. We've moved my niece Katrina and Kid Pepsi in next door, so sometimes you'll get a whisper of remote learning floating in. Not remote enough, I sometimes say, under my breath, but also on top of it. And what commune is complete without dogs? So, so many dogs. Everybody got a companion during the pandemic, and now some have just let them loose. To walk down the street in Brooklyn is to vie for space and scraps of egg and cheese sandwiches with a menagerie of stray house pets. Dogs, hamsters, cats, lizards, and the occasional exotic snake coiled around a bagel. All of this is to let you know that, A, you may hear some weird noises in the background, and that's because commune living is not quiet. And B, uh, we need to look for more people to join this thing. We have a city block, basically, just available to us now, and we want to try to start a new society of creative thinkers and makers. 
So join me all season long as I'll be interviewing people who I think might want to join this new community, starting right now with this, the first episode of the 13th season of The Deep Night. Friends. Oh, friends, it's good to be back. It's me, Dale Seaver, still here, uh, still your host. We come to you tonight as we always do for almost 12 years from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And I'm so pleased to be with you once again, especially if you stayed in New York. If you moved out of the city when the pandemic hit, you're dead to me. <laughs> That's just how it works. After six months of being inside and falling into a rather unhealthy routine, I'm trying to get things back on track. And part of that means interviewing people again and seeing if anyone wants to move into our building and help usher in the dawn of a new age. Now, you probably noticed one of our creative contributors already. We started the season by sending a note to our dear friend, Miriam Cudus of Space Moth. And I said, Miriam, hey, would you want to compose a new theme song for us and live in a commune? She said, commune? No thanks. Theme song? Yes. So yay. <laughs> and there it is. We think it really slaps. We also asked the brilliant and a little bit cheeky illustrator, Philippa Beleza, to create a new podcast image. And she did. So we're thankful for that as well. She also preferred to stay put, but I think that's because she lives internationally. But maybe in the future, once the travel restrictions have been lifted, she can join us here in our commune. All the rest is largely the same as far as the show goes, so let's get into it and officially get the lucky 13th season of the program underway. We're like a black cat darting out in front of you as you sneak under a ladder. Let's get started with a fantastic couple of guests slash potential members of our new Deep Night Society, Native Harrell. Maybe you're like me. I hope so. Wouldn't that be something? During these past horrible months, I found myself trying to recenter and find something to ground my being. Uh, and quite often that has involved rediscovering music from my youth when I could be found clacking away through the CD cases at Sam Goody's. Now, I'm not going to say all of Crash Test Dummies' uh, uh, catalog holds up, and Natalie Merchant's album is in need of a rework. Just Order-wise, it doesn't make sense. There's no flow. But Erica Badu can still get lodged in your brain like nobody's business. And now I wish I hadn't brought that up because it's right back there. So I'll have to be dealing with that. But I've also been discovering new music. Music that reminds me of a place and a time and a particular angle of light that comes in when the air is starting to get crisp and there's a little bit of wood smoke in the air. So as the days grow shorter in real time as well as in my memories, I was delighted to be turned on to the work of Native Harrow. They have a new album out called Closeness and a substantial uh, a history of records that speaks uh, to my uh, uh, current feelings of longing, grief, uncertainty, and yes, hope. And I was so happy it all worked out to talk with Devin and Steve. And, and of course, being from Pennsylvania meant we had lots to get into. So let's go even further into the deep night and conjure my conversation with Native Harrow. Native Harrow, Devin Toole and Stephen Harms. Hello. Welcome to the deep night. Hello. Hi, thanks thank for having us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Now you're sequestered somewhere, are you? We are. we are in Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. Oh, well, maybe we can talk about that. That's a lovely, lovely place down there. How far outside of uh, Philadelphia? Uh, it's about 30 miles, I believe. Okay. So we're the countryside a little bit. Yeah, we're getting close, sir. <laughs> Good. Is it, are you allowed to reveal the town or you don't want to? Oh, oh well, um, it's not an exciting place. It's called Lindell, uh, the closest city uh bigger city would be westchester pennsylvania yes 
So that's where that's where young Dale spent his time growing up, actually, in Westchester, Pennsylvania. It was very different back then. <laughs> well, what are you saying? Well, because I uh, I went back recently. I had been on tour for a long time and went back recently, and they have um, multiple kind of high rise looking buildings and all of the coffee shops and restaurants that I grew up going to are gone. So I assume I can only assume that you also uh, would not really recognize any of the stores there. Yes. It's really, it's come up a lot. It's almost like an actual uh, little town now, whereas before it was maybe a quaint colonial village. Right. You would just drive through it and not even know you were there before. Yes. Yes. And did you actually grow up in Westchester? I didn't. I went. I grew up in a town called Downingtown. Is the place I went to high school. Oh um, yes, just out Route Thirty. Yes, but I grew up doing ballet, and kind of all of my extracurriculars were in Westchester. So I see. I see. Well, uh, sorry, Stephen. Where did you grow up? Uh, all over, but I usually answer Montana. That's where oh. I spent four years in Montana, which was the longest time I spent anywhere as a kid. So. It's lovely there too. Missoula is where I've is really the only place I've been, but yeah. gosh, lovely. I was right outside of Bozeman in a town called Manhattan. Oh, yeah. That, there's another one of those. <laughs> there is. A, there's another one. Yeah, a couple. We've come across a couple on our tour. Super but, uh, different, though. Well, ours, <laughs> ours actually has a Fifth Avenue and a and a Broadway also. So. Oh, pretty similar. <laughs> those are the only two requirements. <laughs> if you're setting up your own Manhattan and maybe some listeners would like to. <laughs> well, uh, that's wonderful. And uh, gosh, I want to know if you ever had dreams of being on the Al Albert show uh, growing up doing ballet, but maybe that was even before your time. I think so. I'm not familiar with that. But okay. <laughs> I got the edge on that one then. Uh, well, look it up. It's a wonderful local talent that uh, show that used to be broadcast out of uh, Philadelphia. And anybody that I went to school with that was into dance and that kind of thing, uh, gosh, that was the dream, get on the Al Albert Showcase. But you have your own videos, and I would have uh, guessed that you were a dancer because of so many of the of the dancing that is featured yes. Yes. in those videos. Relying very heavily on it, actually. Um, well, because I think music videos, unless especially the ones we've made in quarantine, unless you have a whole team and more people and there's this plot to it, I don't really know what else to do in them. So I've just danced. Um and it sort of has worked out kind of being our thing that we're doing right now with our videos. Um, it's been nice to dance because I sort of stopped dancing uh, when I went to college. Um, I was probably 19 or 20 when I stopped dancing. And I hadn't really danced until our music videos we made last year for Happier Now. So, Well, it's very inspiring movement. Well, I'm a bit of a you know amateur when it comes to dancing, yeah. but I do like you know very Martha Graham influence oh, yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, it's it's lovely. It works out well. Um, uh, well, uh, we're going to get into the music uh, and and the music videos, I guess. But um, uh, first question I have to ask you because this is a, a new season and the way things are, would you be interested in joining an intentional community that I'm starting here in my Brooklyn apartment? <laughs> What's an intentional community? Oh, some have called it a commune. Uh, um, would, would you be interested in that kind of a thing? Does that lifestyle appeal to you? Um, I don't know if a commune lifestyle would suit me. I think I'm a, I'm um, possibly too selfish to live in a commune. <laughs> How about you? I, I, I think I'm more, I maybe am more of a commune starter than a commune joiner at heart. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I would love to discuss what your concept is for it and, and yeah. possibly throw in my own ideas. I'd be very interested to hear more about it. Yeah. Knowing that I probably wouldn't commit once I had heard more about it anyway. I understand that. And I appreciate that you're an ideas man. <laughs> and uh, my wife, Galinda does all the paperwork and setting things up. So maybe I'll have put her in contact sure. Sure. Uh, with you. Uh, I have lived in a commune once before when I lived in California, but uh, when the stilt walking juggler set the kitchen on fire, making eggs, I decided Maybe this isn't for me, but yeah. uh, things change and uh, sure. the world is kind of in a tricky place. So mm-hmm. why not? Uh, <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Okay. Well, I'm going to say that's a maybe and uh, maybe. Um, <laughs> I assume it's a, it's a package. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, congratulations. You have a new album out, which is the real reason you're here for closeness yeah. is what it's called and uh, aptly named because closeness, something we both crave and cannot have at this moment. Yes. Yeah. It's strange because when I wrote the record and we decided to call it closeness, none of this, we didn't even have an idea that this was headed our way. And, uh, it sort of just worked out as, as this being a super relevant concept, um, which is, it's, it's been kind of strange to see how, how it crosses both my personal life and what we're all experiencing currently. So. Yeah. There were probably things bubbling up that were driving you yeah. towards it and whether you knew there was going to be a global pandemic or not. Yeah. Uh, not all the crises that are uh, even referenced to or alluded to on the album uh, were something that were sudden. They were right. long building. Yeah. 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 Um, well, uh, I enjoy my family, but has there been a time over the six months where you just said, I have to go stand in a field somewhere and oh. do some movement away from you? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, well, and we're actually currently, we've been in more contact probably with, with my family, especially than we normally are because we're usually on tour and gone for six or seven months at a time and this has been yeah we have we haven't played any shows and we've kind of just been all sort of around each other more and yeah there's definitely been days where we just go on a three-hour walk and kind of just disappear and nobody knows where we are and together or in opposite directions well we'll go together my family uh, in opposite direction of family i should yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Stephen, that must be wonderful for you to get some time with the in-laws. Yeah, no, it it is actually it is mostly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're right. They're within earshot, aren't they? Clearly, <laughs> they're actually not. No, they're not, and they're great. It's just you know when I think it's more us because we're not on tour, so we're kind of more snappy and and probably a little bit more bratty than normal because <laughs> we're built in that that era of our lives. Right. Right. You tempted to go to the uh, little coffee house in Malvern and play a few tunes or something? Yes. Yeah. It might come to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh, the new album, I have to say, you know, talking about what's in the air right now, and uh, not literally because, gosh, uh, you got to wear a mask, but uh, uh, the song Carry On. Uh, really got to me and spoke to me, and I think it probably would for a lot of people. Um, can you talk about maybe was there an uh, event that inspired that uh, song? Yeah. Um, so we had spent about two years solid on just touring. We played um, hundreds and hundreds of shows. We lived in a van. Um, we slept in parking lots and kind of lived rough for two years to sort of achieve some of the goals that we had. And at the end of those two years, we had another record coming out and we were still touring and I sort of was just really burnt out and uh, found myself unable to communicate what I was going through and sort of physically was just wasted from, from all of that. And I think I learned to rely on friends and loved ones in a more vulnerable way than I ever had before. And I think I'm a pretty strong person and I'm good at pushing myself when I'm you know, feeling tired or whatever. And Carry On started off as a song I wrote for myself. And then as I was writing the song, I kind of realized this is just life. And this is just how being a person is and going through the human experience. You just get to these, you know, dips in your life and you have to just carry on to get to the next plateau. Absolutely. And do you feel like your actual sense of self changed in that time where there's so much giving to audiences and uh, it's tough to find moments for self-care during all that? Oh, yeah, there was little self. I've figured it out now, but for those first couple of years, there was hardly any self-care happening or any time to even realize self-care was a thing. Um, and since then, yeah, I've pulled back and kind of realized what I'm actually able to give and where I need to set boundaries and kind of I've started to do yoga again, which is amazing. And um, yeah, I think it's just been like a learning curve kind of too um, with how much to give each night and how to give it the right way without exhausting my supply. Yeah. Well, and for both of you, there must be a tremendous sense of whiplash to go from uh, that sort of outward facing energy to now all of this inward uh, facing stuff that we have now. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, just saying that, you know, we've taken a step back is is putting it so mildly. We're taking the year off from 
everything. Yeah. Which I I haven't personally done since I I don't know. Yeah. Sixteen maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Way yeah. too long. Um, and it is. It, it's. I think the first few months were. I, I'm sure for everybody. I don't think this is me saying something that not that everyone else hasn't also experienced, but that it was truly bizarre mm-hmm. to wrap your head around not getting on a plane, not getting in a van, not going anywhere mm-hmm. and not knowing how long it was going to be for. Yeah. You totally had these moments where when you're on tour, you, you sort of hate, love it. And I think now that we're not able to tour, you're kind of, you miss even hating touring, you know, like those days that are horrible. You're like, I'd give anything to be in that awful day. <laughs> just away from here. But yeah, it's been, it's been strange to sort of just completely slow down and sort of for the first time pause and have all this reflection. And yeah, it's been really interesting. It's been good in some ways, I think, but hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and you feel a little bit, uh, or I do, I shall speak for myself. I feel a little weird even starting up again, doing uh, this show, because uh, there's so much uncertainty and so much it just flat out loss that people are experiencing. And it just, is this the moment? I don't know. But then again, just having some connection with anybody is probably good. And <laughs> if someone hears it and they can get something, then great. Uh, yeah. That's good. And I feel like your album can be that for people too. Oh, oh well, that's, yeah, that's, it's the best thing to be able to even do an album this year and kind of have that sort of, you know, extended hand to people that were actually not able to see or perform for at least we can give them this and hopefully it'll tide us all over till we can see them again. Yes. Yeah. And uh, not to say that there isn't also some, some sadness and things that uh, are lurking through the album for sure. Um, the, the carry on uh, also just made me want to pack up a wood paneled station wagon and the pouring rain and take one last look at the house that I thought would be my home forever where everything would work <laughs> out and then just have to drive off to start a new life as a small town DJ somewhere. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds great. That was the video concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because of lockdown issues but well, that, shot for shot that's what we're doing. <laughs> well if you're making alt take or something once yeah. this is over let me know i can yeah. give you some of my movements and yeah. that um there's so many uh beautiful turns of phrases and things throughout there how do you div- uh divvy up the responsibilities because i've talked to some uh folks that are uh couples in uh, music making and one person writes the melodies one person writes mm-hmm. the lyrics how does that work for you yeah so i write the melody and the lyrics first kind of by myself i'll do sort of writing i kind of go off and just write and or something will come to me and I just lock myself in a room and write. And then I show him almost immediately when the song's done and we sort of immediately start putting other sounds to it and he'll kind of expand upon the initial melody. And sometimes things will change slightly once he starts playing because I'll hear new things. Um, but yeah, the lyrics and the melody, I would say, come first and then we kind yeah, of just build definitely. on that. That's the foundation. Right. Yeah. We, um, for the first time, Ever, I think I added a couple words here and there, mm-hmm. which I had that that's new. That's like a new kind of chapter for us in our songwriting. <laughs> but uh, finishing a fr- because what it would be usually is she would say like, "Oh, I want to finish this third verse. I need this line. I don't know how to end it." And she would read me what she had, and I wouldn't come up with anything good. And I like missed my opportunity. But this time, I came up with something good a couple times. <laughs> well, that's progress, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Do you have a journal just with a few words written into it that you hope to get in there? <laughs> On call. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, no, I can definitely be kind of a, a like hard ass about it. And uh, I'm super, um, I keep them very close. I guard them very closely until they're finished. And I have just let go of the reins slightly by asking for his help. <laughs> and he's a good sport for not getting hurt when I say, no, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, uh, Stephen, are you drawing on some kind of uh, musicology background to uh, infuse different uh, uh, eras or sounds from different places into the music? Or does that also happen rather collaboratively? Um. Yeah, actually, probably there is some of that. I I trained. I was a double bassist, classical double bassist originally, mm-hmm. and um, I played a lot of jazz and a lot of recording sessions. And I, what I wanted to be 
was a session musician. You know, as a kid, I figured out that was a thing and I wanted to do that. And then kind of realized that you had to be born 50 years before I was to be that professionally (laughs) for the most part. Um, There is still, I think, uh, I really like the idea when I hear music and I, and I realize the directions that it can go in and can participate in that process. I'm really interested in that no matter who I'm playing with. And then because over the last few years, it's evolved to just, you know, I, I hardly play any gigs outside of our group now because we tour so much and simultaneously Devin's songs are going in so many different new directions that there's just been a lot of opportunities for me to kind of do, do what I either do best or what I enjoy doing the most. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He's really good at if I write a song and I say, okay, this song is, it's a, I want it to be a jazz song for Turn Turn, for example, on Closeness. I wrote that. I was really into Billie Holiday at the time. I mean, I'm always into Billie Holiday, but I was really like listening. And yeah. I wrote Turn Turn and I said, I want this to be like a jazz trio song. And he knows exactly and will just go right into the correct guitar tone, the right guitar, the right sound. It's just, he just has a gift for kind of, I think, knowing if I say a, a genre, I say something, it just will trigger the vault. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you're very supportive in this uh, endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> As one would need to be. I'm just thinking uh, the, there's the dancer and then there's the one that's also supporting. And you said you wanted to be a session player. That's really like you're, you're a, a team player. I think you'd be yeah. good at the commune is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he'd be really good at the commune. He'd be I, great. I think I would annoy people, and I wouldn't show up a lot <laughs> for group things. It would be like well, everybody has to participate in this thing. Where the hell is Devin? <laughs> but Stephen would be there, ready to you know, contribute. <laughs> well, every very commune needs that person too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, well, uh, there's a really beautiful trajectory if you go back through the back catalog uh, and listen through the albums. Uh, and there's some wistfulness, as I said, a little sadness that happens, and a sense that you're surrounded by uh, positive spirits. And I think uh, a lot of times all the sort of like spooky ghosts get all the press. Uh, but there's these good spirits that are out there that feel like they're they're on your side that you're addressing and that you're welcoming into the room. And I wondered if that was a real thing uh, for you or something I was just ima- <laughs> imagining listening to it, or if you had any positive experiences with the uh, spirits. Spirits. Well, I'm definitely, I, I feel that I'm super connected to just even other people's energies and sort of, I'm, I'm deeply spiritual and I think for sure it, that helps with my songwriting and it helps me sort of gather things to, to sift through when I'm writing. And I think that I'm very blessed to have a good support system in my life and to have been given a lot of love as a kid and a lot of support for who I was and kind of just I've always sort of been doing the arts and it's never been a thing of you can't do that. You won't make any money. Um, So just even having that kind of real foundation allowed me to sort of tap into all the other kind of weird stuff um, with songwriting. And yeah, I think, I think especially this last record and I, I think all of my records, but closeness is the most recent work. So I'm able to, to kind of draw upon what I was thinking. And I think I can just sense where things are headed and, and how people, how it's affecting people deeply without them even maybe realizing it. And I think as, as the years have gone on, I've gotten more and more in touch with that and more interested in kind of laying open and, and showing people how, how this could be affecting them and sort of maybe making them think a little deeper about things that I can sense from them, even standing on a stage um, and kind of, shine a light on you know how crazy things have gotten even since our first record yeah Um, yeah. i feel that too i feel that too maybe because there's so many old houses out there yeah you you go there's an old place (laughs) yeah yeah lots of old houses yeah yeah many people have walked that ground is what i'm saying yeah yeah Yeah, definitely 
the house we're in is a couple hundred years old, right? That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See, I think there's old house kids and new house kids. <laughs> oh my God, you're so right. Yeah. Yeah. All that, and you know what? Most of my friends are old house people. Yeah. So fascinating. I've never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. I grew the house I grew up in was built in the late 1700s or 1803, somewhere yep. around there. Same, same with this house. Yep. yep. The stones, the, mm-hmm. the fireplaces, and all that. Yeah. Anyway, it's great. And, and I'll tell you that I don't know if it's just because uh, uh, I grew up where I did, but I hear Pennsylvania in, in the tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it was maybe not recorded there, have anything to do with it other than uh, what you're bringing to it. But I, I felt it very keenly in the same way you can watch uh, certain films that were shot there and you say, that's the light. Yeah. That's the same light that's in yeah. Pennsylvania. I, like Definitely. That. I wrote almost, or maybe I wrote the entire record here in Pennsylvania. So, and that hasn't happened actually ever before no. on any of our other records. So this whole record was conceived and written here. Yep, so. yep, I can feel it. And as, as somebody from a, a, a Pennsylvania Quaker descent, uh, I was drawn to shake and thought, oh, is this a Quaker anthem? I hope that it is. <laughs> it's not, but, you know, they're welcome to take it and uh, <laughs> use it as their uh, slogan if they want to pay me for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the deep pockets there. Yeah, the, <laughs> I would imagine so. Uh, yeah, I think that's so. That's so funny. I never thought about that. <laughs> but I gather you did have a rather spiritual experience at the Guitar Factory. Is that true? At, at the Martin Guitar Factory. At the Martin yeah. Guitar in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Yeah, my so my dad is the one who taught me how to play guitar, and he took me. I think I had been playing a basic starter level guitar and once i sort of mastered a certain level of guitar playing he was like okay you can have a real guitar now and so he drove me out to nazareth to to the martin guitar factory and we did the whole tour and you get to see how they're made which is incredible highly recommend it it's also a free tour i'm pretty sure which is awesome Um, and then after that i got my first martin guitar which is a beautiful mahogany guitar that just sounds like an orchestra with just a simple strum, which is like, that's it for me. So, uh, yeah, so that, and that guitar I've, I've been playing, I've, let's see, I've had it for almost 15 years. It's crazy. Um, (laughs) Hey, if that they're made that way, they're made to last. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy to think, uh, it's that old. And, And also people have asked me if it's vintage and I guess at this point it nearly is. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a great moment for me because it felt like that was a solidifying, like I have the real instrument. I'm really a musician now. And I had just started playing shows by myself and yeah, it was a, it was great. It's a great dream. Yeah. Well, uh, knowing we were going to talk, I watched the video tour that they have up there, oh, and I was struck by two things. One, that the majority of their customers in the early days were women. Mm-hmm. So in the 1800s, there were a lot of lady axe slingers, yep. uh, I guess. Uh, and uh, certainly, you know, my father played guitar, mm-hmm. and that was a real way for him to process emotions. Maybe he yeah. couldn't do it any other way. Uh, Probably a lot of people still use it that way, I imagine. But the other thing that I was struck with, uh, uh, the sound. They played like one of the first ones that they had there, yeah. uh, you know, this a- instrument from, again, I guess, 1800s, transcendent. I mean, it sounded exactly like a guitar and then something else. You know, right. it was essentially its thing, right. which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I've seen them build them in person, but I don't, I still don't quite understand why they sound so good because I've played other guitars and it's just not the same. And it's not that, you know, if you can't get a Martin guitar that you should just shouldn't play, but it's just that they are, I think a lot of times there's other guitar companies that maybe I've met people who are like, eh, Martin guitars, whatever. And it's kind of just interesting to me because I have the same response. Anyone I've ever played just sounds like a guitar plus, I don't know, like a choir of sound. Yeah. Yeah. You can almost feel the room that it's and it just it just moves through yeah. like time and space in a way that you don't. Yeah, well, no. I played the saxophone. I never had that feeling. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And, and Stephen, was that the sound that you heard that uh, when you first met drew you in? 
Um, it was that guitar. It, it was that. It was that, that guitar. No, it was her. It was her singing. When yeah, when we when we first met, it was yeah the, the voice. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so much of your music, as you can tell, is very evocative for me, and this uh, Pennsylvania thing is very much present as I was listening to it, and uh, even the song Dying of Ages, uh, for me, conjured uh, a warm weekend afternoon at a flea market, maybe yeah. in Kutztown or something, you know, and you've got your folding table spread out in the van is there with the doors open and the radio going, and you can smell funnel cake and cigar smoke. Yeah, that that's, you got it. That's, that's good stuff. That's like essence. <laughs> also, <laughs> you just describe me as a as a person. That's that's how I am as a person. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you go to a lot of flea markets? Oh yes, I primarily wear mostly vintage clothes. I've always just my mom and dad love antiquing and thrifting and all of that, and that's been our thing. So, so what's your stall? What's the one that you'll go right to when you when you get there? Um, anyone that has clothes from the sixties or seventies, that's, I just find the clothes. If I can yeah. see any sort of old army fatigues or denim, that's where I'll go. Yeah. 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 See, I know I'm getting older cause now I'll stop at the glass booth. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's my, my dad collects bottles. He's a bottle yeah. collector. Mm-hmm. He's this is what happens. In Westchester when he was a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. You dig it. They're in the ground. Yep. He, and he sells them on eBay. That's like his side job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got a magnesium bottle in the uh, bathroom there that he'd be fascinated by. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's a beautiful blue. Um, But with the fatigues though, I do worry. I think maybe we could have a little bit of movement to get rid of the one person there. You know who I'm talking about Mm -hmm. with the world war two memorabilia. That's where I draw. I'm mostly looking for like Vietnam War era stuff or yeah. like like post Vietnam. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, there's definitely up in that up towards like Shady Maple area. Any of those antique malls that they have up there, yeah. they all have swastika stuff, and they can just go burn that in a field. Yeah, we don't need that anymore. We don't need that anymore. <laughs> I don't need to see another German helmet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who is collecting yeah. it? I'm like, I want to know because that person should be banned from antiquing. The, the one thing that I would say, I agree, but the fact that you've been going your entire life in that same booth has those same items. Yeah, they're still there. Means that no one is collecting. Them. No one wants it. It makes us all feel really weird inside every time we see it. And yes. also all of the the like black dolls and strange slave toys. Yeah. Like, why? Why? Who's buying that? <laughs> We don't need the mammy stuff anymore. The no, salt and no, sugar no. or whatever, the salt and pepper, put them away. Yeah, that's it's, the it's dark awful. side of antiquing. It is. I mean, but that's the dark side of America's past, isn't it? That's I mean, true. God. But also, let's address it. Let's get rid of it. Yeah. yeah let's, What's stopping us? It doesn't need to be there. It doesn't need to be here anymore, and we're sorry. No. I mean, Stephen, let me ask you this. You ever go to a gal's house, and it's just full of German soldier outfits and helmets and things? I mean... <laughs> You might have a nice time at dinner, but gosh, you got to get out of there. Yeah, that's not a nice person. No, I'd take it from me. It's not worth it. Um, Well, I do uh, enjoy nostalgia, though. I have a lot of it. And there is that sense, as you said, you're interested in uh, some of the, the more positive aspects of it. And in the music, it's certainly present. Um, but you manage to keep it driving forward and very relevant, which I also appreciate. And uh, the song, if I could, uh, really gets to issues of I mean, climate change, the, yeah. the perils that we face as a planet. Um, that's what was behind that song? Yeah, definitely. Um, I started writing that song, and I thought it was really lame uh, till I played it for Steven. I said, is this, is this, do I sound like I'm trying to like rip off John Legend or something? Like, what is this song? <laughs> Cause when I first started writing it, I, it didn't have the final sound that it ended up with, but it, the, the whole idea of the song was just, I was at home for, I guess, two weeks between a tour and the whole time it rained when the weather people were saying it was supposed to be nice or it was freezing when they said it was supposed to be spring. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm aware and very passionate about climate change and global warming and all, you know, environmental issues. And I felt, I felt like it was time to say, use my art and my platform to say something about it and sort of just make a, my own stance about it because I hadn't really done that yet. I hadn't said, you know, this is how I feel about it. 
And so if I could was just a really fun way to do it, I guess. It is, yeah. And you do feel it keenly there too, don't you? Because there's so many great farms and things. I mean, you, it's yeah. not... Uh, it's pretty impossible to gentrify that part of the <laughs> of Pennsylvania, yeah. but nonetheless, the 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 encroachment of sub- suburbs onto rural uh, land, uh, it's uh, it's broken my heart for yeah for some years now. Yeah, it's from my earliest days. Pretty crazy to just drive around, you know, past fields I used to play in as a kid that now have you know. 3,000 condos on them or something. And you're like, all the bunnies and the deer and things that turtles that used to live there are dead. (laughs) That's sad. And it pisses me off. I get angry. I'm like, God, what's happening? Get out of my area. Right. And if you can use a platform to raise awareness, then by all means do it. I was reading the other day that recycling's all a scam. And now I don't know what to do. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just not great. Who's saying recycling is a scam? I don't know who's saying that. Well, they said it was just an opportunity for big oil to make more plastics. And because you started to think that, oh, the plastics are just going to be made into a park bench. Well, guess what? We don't have that many park benches. Mm. But we got a lot of bottles. Anyway, has there been anything that in this time of great uncertainty and sadness and sometimes despair that you've been able to latch on to and and hold on to as your uh, rock? Of course, you have each other, which is wonderful. But beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there have been a few things, simple type stuff. Just one, sticking to some sort of routine so I don't feel like I'm just not doing anything. Um, even if it's just waking up at the same time and, you know, having breakfast and then I do yoga and then we go for a walk and then we work and then we do rehearsals. So we st- we're still setting up our whole stage setup and rehearsing every day, which has been really nice because it just gives us that feeling of, okay, we played music for two hours. We can kind of not feel like we're going to just lose our skill. Yeah. Um, and we really got into the Rolling Stones for the first time ever. I had never really been a Rolling Stones fan. I grew up on the Beatles and, uh, we were driving home from Nashville because the lockdowns had been announced and we were in the middle of a tour. So on the drive back, we just listened to their entire discography and it's been a really fun thing to sort of do a deep dive on and provided, you know, just fun entertainment. Yeah. Did you grow up as I did, thinking it was the devil's music? A, a little bit, actually, and only because um, you, you said earlier there's old house kids and new house kids. Yeah. So we always talk about there's Beatles kids and Stones kids. Mm. And you're not, at your core, you're not both. You're yeah. one or the other. Yeah. And then there's who people also, which is a whole other thing. I can't even talk to them. No. Barely. I have a couple friends, but um, but so we, we are both Beatles people. And I think we're Beatles people who mostly only know Beatles people. Yeah. I know a few Stones people and they're definitely wild. Like they're right. my, they're like my funner friends, yeah. but they're also exhausting. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah. And I, my dad likes the Stones, but it was never, it was Beatles was, I didn't go to grow up going to church. We're not religious. And so every Sunday we would make pancakes and listen to the Beatles for two and a half hours. And I just grew up with it. Like that is music. And if you don't get this, you don't get music. And the Stones were never introduced. It was sort of like in the background, you know, it was never a priority. Um, There's a lot of good stuff there. As a musician now, I can really get into it and kind of, you know, I don't know, kind of respect and find inspiration in their, in what they do. Yeah. And there's so much that's just like classic blues in there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, And that's probably, yeah, that's, that's it. It's so cool. Yeah, that was the way I could get in there and yep. think, oh, I see what they're doing. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I see where they took that from. Right. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> right. There, it, was, it was an interesting deep dive. And I, for like three months, mm-hmm. it's all we listened to. Like really, wow. all we listened to. Yeah. Which for yeah. us Which is never happens. Bizarre. Yeah. Do you think it's going to filter in a little bit on the next album? We think it's going to. Ha- so what happens is we go through these phases and it usually ends up on the so we'll put out a record and the record will be so not the next one, but the next one. So the next one will be something else that we were into like a year ago. Right. And then the, the one after the next one will probably be stones. Yeah. It's stones infused. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, nice. Takes time to it does s- s- simmer and settle yeah. in, and then be expressed. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, well, I've I think routines are great. I've started taking some mushroom tinctures, and uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. They don't taste great. Yeah. No. <laughs> Reishi is reishi. Is that how you say it? Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. I was taking that at the beginning of all this because I think I had COVID in January. Yeah. And my lungs were just messed up for probably like five months after. And so I was taking that because it's good for respiratory health. And it tastes, I mean, so bitter. You're like, this is poison. Like, I'm yeah. probably going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if chasing it with a strong espresso is really what's meant to happen. Yeah. Mm. Your stomach will like that. Just light things up. Yeah. <laughs> But still, I persist. Yeah. <laughs> a routine is necessary. Yeah. The routine outweighs whatever the negative benefit is. <laughs> That's right. No matter I, how. I chase everything with an espresso. So. That's true. Yeah. It's true. Let's see. There's a lot in common here. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, uh, this has been just fantastic uh, talking with you. And as I said, the album is really wonderful, and it's a, a beautiful music for a pandemic. But it's mu- beautiful music anytime. And in fact, I I think this idea of starting your day with pancakes and some good music would be a good way to to get through some of this and a good routine for someone out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank it's been you. great chatting and talking about Pennsylvania too. I, I'm always up for it. Yeah, great. <laughs> it's really wonderful. And maybe uh, when uh, times are right again, we can go uh, thrifting for some colorful turtlenecks. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Absolutely. Yeah. that would be good. Uh, now, uh, the question is, can we play a track uh, from there once we're done here? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Do you have any requests, your suggestions on which one to include? Hmm. You mentioned the dying of ages and that, yeah. it, that it really kind of, brings out the, the rural Pennsylvania yeah. color for you. It's one of our favorites, too, from the record. Yeah. Okay, let's do that one then. All right. Okay, we'll play that in a little bit. Uh, now, you're going to be uh, back to touring in 2021, we hope? Yes. We've just announced a tour for April, so... Everything crossed. <laughs> Good. Well, I hope that goes well. I hope uh, the album uh, continues to find new listeners and uh, resonate with people as it has with me. And I really appreciate you both being here. Continued oh. success. Yeah, Thank you so great. much. Yeah, Thank nice you. talking to you.
so great. And again, that was Dying of Ages off the album Closeness. And uh, really do uh, give their uh, entire output a listen. Uh, it's perfect pandemic music, perfect for communes. <laughs> Or even if it's, a, you know, not all communes have to be large. Maybe there's just one other person living with you. You can call that a commune for yourself and just put it on. Anyhow, however you do it, just give it a listen. And uh, if you would like, though, to join this uh, society we're starting here, drop us a line, daleradio at gmail.com. Let us know uh, or why you think you'd be a good candidate and what you could contribute. Thanks to Devin and Stephen for being with me. Find them online at nativeharrow.com or follow them on Instagram. And thanks to James at Shorefire Media for helping to set this interview up. Oh, there's so much uh, that we are going to cover this season, and there's lots of great things to recommend um, and to let you know about. I've been reading up a storm and listening to a lot of things, so we'll be sharing that as we go along. But that's it now for the first episode of our new season. Thank you for spending a little time with us in the deep night. And remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day, I hope, I still hope, is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is produced and performed by James Bewley. Season theme song by Mariam Cadus of Space Moth. Season podcast icon by Philippa Beleza. Remember to rate and review the program on Apple Podcasts or tune in and stream the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora, or Stitcher, or wherever you enjoy fine audio content. To see any of our live shows or other short videos, visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Radio, and follow us on Instagram, at Seaver is the handle. Thanks again for listening, and if you leave your portals open this season, be sure to wear a mask. <laughs>